All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Allison. I am a grateful recovered alcoholic. Um, my sobriety date is July 7, 2010. And for that day, I'm eternally grateful. I have a home group. It's the Pleasant Valley Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, we are on Zoom on Monday nights. We do a big book study and we're in person on Thursday nights. Um, we do. Um, it's a literature meeting and we're in the big book as of right now. Um, we do study the big book in um, not as a primary purpose meeting does, but as um, experientially um, from the language of the heart um, and is the best big book study in um, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, because it's the only one. Um, so um, I have a sponsor. Her name's Sarah Smith. She lives in Portsmouth, Ohio. She does not mind me using her full name. So if you're ever in Portsmouth, Ohio, please look her up. She has been my sponsor since I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in 2008. My sobriety dates in 2010. I've never felt the need to sponsor John, and I'm eternally grateful to that woman. Um, she showed me um, what Alcoholics Anonymous is, and she showed me how to live a sober, beautiful life. And, um, you know, um, so hopefully um, I can do that today for you. Um, what I can tell you is when Risa asked me to do this, it, um, I like to be honest and transparent. It, she's been like kind of, she's been trying to get me to do this for a while and I'm not a primary purpose girl. Um, I love the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I live the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I take the women, I sponsor through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I'm more of a language of the heart kind of girl. Um, I'm not a line by line um, primary purpose girl. So um, I'm going to do the best I can. Um, and, um, and hopefully, um, by the time I get done, you guys um, will be able to see how I'll be able to show you precisely how we have covered through my recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. My buddy Ron is on here and he's sitting in a treatment center across the river. And um, that's who I'm here to talk to today. You know, that's who I'm here to talk to the alcoholic who still suffers and, and the newcomer on this meeting, um, because AA has absolutely saved my life. It brought me to the God of my own understanding and um, has brought me to a life that's indescribably wonderful. Um, and what I can tell you is I got up this morning, I didn't madly search for a bottle. I got up this morning, I didn't have to um, cuss anybody out. I didn't have to, you know, I, I got up this morning and what I can tell you is I hit my knees and I thank God for that, for another day sober and alive and waking me up. And I got to have some meditation and some quiet time. And then I got up and I watched the birds on the bird feeder out behind behind me. And, um, you know, and I got to have coffee with my husband. And to me, that's a sober, that's what sobriety looks like. That's what the recovered alcoholic looks like um, in the eyes of this girl. And I mean, people showed me how to live a sober way of life. And, and I can know all this self-knowledge. I can know all this stuff in the big book, but I don't, I don't apply it to my life. Um, it doesn't mean anything. You know, all I have is self-knowledge and, and then, you know, self-knowledge does not keep me sober in this deal. Um, I wish it did because um, I think I'm pretty smart. And if it did, I would be, I would have been sober a long time ago. But um, so if you turn to the big book, if you turn to the very first page in the big book, actually not the very first page, but the title page where it says Alcoholics Anonymous, um, there's one, a huge promise. Um, it's one of the very first promises in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. And it's this huge hope that the big book offers me when I first open this book, and it, it gives me the ability that, hey, these people have recovered, 
many thousands of men and women. And maybe, maybe, just maybe I can do that too. Just maybe. You know, and I, I go back to what does that mean? What does that recovered mean? I have no clue what that recovered means when I first opened this book. Hence the reason for a sponsor. Um, hence the reason for a home group. Hence for the reason for the people, um, the members of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, to show me what, what all this is. And, um, you know, when I, when I look at what the recur the word recovered means, and I announced myself as a recovered alcoholic when I first, you know, said my name. And um, it doesn't mean that I can drink successfully. It doesn't mean that one day that I'm going to be immune from alcohol, that, you know, I can drink a couple of drinks and, and, and be okay. What that means, if I turn into the forward to the first edition, X, I, I, I. Um, it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a Roman numeral, by the way. <laughs> it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered. It says from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, which means I no longer have to dance with that demon every single day. You know, the, it means that I don't have to madly search for a bottle when I wake up in the morning. It means that I react sanely and normally to situations which used to baffle us, especially when it pertains to alcohol. You know, and, um, and that is one of the most huge promises that, alcohol, that Alcoholics Anonymous offers me. You know, it's really the only promise. I mean, there's tons and tons of promises um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, but the, it's the very first one you know, that the big book offers me. And it's like, wow, you know, I don't have to live in that insanity anymore. I don't have to go against every bit of my being and will, you know, I don't know, you know, to pick up another drink of alcohol on a daily basis. I can live a purposeful and useful life. What's that look like, you know, and, and the purpose of this foundation meeting, you know, when I think of a foundation, um, it's, you know, it's a base, it's a support, you know, that you build upon, you know, you build upon something and, and, you know, the purpose of the foundation meeting is to, to find a base, what Alcoholics Anonymous is, what it's not. And it, it provides a very clear and direct description of the disease of alcoholism and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and I hope when I get through here today, um, that that's what I have done for you. And, um, you know, I have to have something to build upon. And when I think about Alcoholics Anonymous, when I came into AA, I didn't know what AA was. <clears throat> um, there were so many misconceptions um, of what that looked like. And, um, you know, I'm in healthcare and um, I really didn't know what AA was, you know, and um, it's not a self-help program. It's not a um, therapy session. You know, we don't, um, we're not a banker for your spree or a banker or a nurse for your sprees, a banker for your financial problems. We don't solve your marital problems. We don't do any of that. You know, AA, the only thing AA has to offer is a spiritual program of action through the 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, and, and it's important for me to understand that's what AA is. And, um, you know, when I think about um, what Bill Wilson wrote um, in 1942, it says our chief responsibility to the newcomers is an adequate presentation of the program. And am I providing that to the newcomer who walks into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous? Do I look like a recovered alcoholic? Not look, do I act? Do I show what a recovered alcoholic is? Um, what I can tell you is my first introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous was in a treatment center in 2008. Um, it was Thanksgiving day. 
and I couldn't figure out why there was probably a hundred people that came into a treatment center and brought the brought the good news of what what um, Alcoholics Anonymous had done in their life, what the God of their own understanding had done in their life, and um, you know, and they and they showed me what Alcoholics Anonymous was. They were happy. They smelled good. They brought really good coffee. I couldn't have caffeine. I couldn't have chocolate. You know, we couldn't have sugar in where I was in treatment. And they brought all those things in. And but most importantly, I remember how they talked about what AA and God had done in their life and what their life looked like, you know, what their life looked like today, um, being a recovered alcoholic and not drinking. And um, they didn't say, um, you know, they showed, they didn't, they didn't talk. Their actions showed everything that a recovered alcoholic was. They had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I wanted what they had but I didn't want to do what they did, you know, and, and that was 2008. And, um, you know, I had to first understand what alcoholism was because what I can tell you is for many, many years, um, I drank alcoholically. My first drink of alcohol was, um, off strawberry extract when I was 15 years old. Um, yes, you can get intoxicated off strawberry extract if you drink enough. Um, and, um, alcohol did for me what I couldn't do for myself. It solved every problem, um, every problem, um, the fear, the not good enough, the not pretty enough, the, you know, the absolute internal fear. You know, fear drove me my entire life when I was a little girl. I remember hiding under the covers. And it most importantly, it solved that fear problem for me. You know, it made it all go away. And and so I had to understand what alcoholism was and and what the problem was. And um, if I think if I if I look to page um, 30 um, in your book, it says we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. It says this is the first step in recovery. And and I had to fully concede that I was alcoholic. I could not start this journey off on a lie that maybe I still have control. Maybe I still have power. Maybe I. Um, you know, maybe I can drink just one and, um, and it'll be fine. And maybe after a, a period of abstinence, just not drinking with no program, um, I can go back out and, and drink successfully. You know, I had to fully concede from my head to my heart that I could not do this anymore. You know, in that first step, I can't start that journey off on that lie. If I do, the remainder of the 11 steps don't mean anything. They mean absolutely nothing. And, and so I had to fully understand the implica implications of step one. Um, and what, what does that look like? I had so much, so much misunderstanding of what an alcoholic was. You know, I grew up in a, in a home of, um, I wouldn't say luxury, but I had everything that I could have ever wanted as a little girl, all the love, all the, all the external things, all the, um, I had everything that I could have ever wanted, you know, everything external that I could ever want. And my parents are good, good, hardworking people. They loved me with every ounce of their being, and they still love me with every ounce of their being. I did not grow up in an alcoholic home. I did not grow up with any alcoholics around me. Um, that doesn't make me alcoholic, you know? I had so many misconceptions. I always thought the alcoholic was the man under the bridge drinking out of the brown paper bottle, um, brown paper bag, um, and was homeless, you know? And that is so not true. I'll tell you, I'm a nurse and you people would come in the emergency room 
and um, I would stand up on my my um, judgment, my here I am, <laughs> I'm way above you. And I would say, how could you do that to your family? Why can't you just stop? Um, why would you do that to your children? You know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. It was all those misconceptions of, um, of what alcoholism was. And it wasn't until I had my own experience with this, of the disease of alcoholism, and my own, um, my own experiences showed me that I am 100% powerless over alcohol and I have no control. And, you know, and I go back to what is, what does all that mean? You know, what does all that mean? And when I go back to page, um, let's see here. Oh, Roman numeral XXB, ah, ah, ah. It says, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. Um, and, you know, I have this allergy. I react abnormally to alcohol. Simple as that. You know, I just react abnormally. The normal drinker, it doesn't, that doesn't happen to them. You know, the normal drinker says, take my mom, for instance. I'll just use my mom as an example. Um, when she was younger, um, she would tell the story. Her dad, not my dad, not her, would tell the story that she had too many strawberry daiquiris and she danced on top of the piano and um, and she was feeling it. And my mom is a little prim and proper lady. And um, and she quit. She quit drinking. You know, she just said, oh, I'll just have one. You know, it, it caused her a little consequence. And. Um, and she might have one strawberry daiquiri and she puts it down. She's starting to feel it. She doesn't like that. She doesn't like that sensation. She doesn't like that. What the alcohol, the effect produced by alcohol. She doesn't like any of those things, you know, but me on the other hand, on page, the same, same page at the very bottom, it says, you know, why I drink, um, it says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. You know, the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, it's going to cause all kinds of troubles. They cannot, after a, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. And I live in this delusion that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be different, you know, but I love the effect produced by alcohol and I'm 100% powerless over alcohol, you know, and I can't not, not drink because it is my solution for everything. When I'm happy, when I'm sad, when it's good, when it's bad. When it's snowing, when it's sunshine, and whatever it whatever whatever it looks like, you know, I have to drink. You know, it is my solution, and and um, you know, and, and it goes back to when I look back. It says the only oh well, I don't know where I'm at, but the only solution is the only relief is on page XXX. The only relief we have to suggest is entire absence. What? You don't want me to drink? That's what you have for me is entire abstinence. That's all you got. And um, man, I can't do that because I have to drink. You know, it's my solution for everything. And um, and I don't know how to not drink. You know, I don't know how not to put something in my body to make me feel um purposeful and usefully whole. You know, I have to have those things in order to live on this earth and to solve the fear problem and to be able to walk one-on-one -on -one with you and 
Um, you know, when, you know, when I think about, when I think about drinking and I think about my alcoholism and, um, it's the first one that gets me every time, you know, I put the first one in, you know, I'm as physically sober as I'm ever going to be right now, you know, and hopefully most of us are physically sober on the screen today. And I'm as physically sober as I'm ever going to be. So why is it when I'm physically sober as I'm ever going to be that I go to the liquor store and I pick up a, pick up a bottle? I'm going beyond something beyond my mental control. I'll give you this example. Um, I told you I was a nurse and um, I did lots of outside issues as, as some of you probably do. And there's a singleness of purpose in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and that singleness of purpose is that, um, you know, we deal with, we deal with alcoholics, you know, and I am an alcoholic um, and I can't drink successfully, but I did a lot of outside issues as well. And, and what I'm going to tell you is um, I was as physically sober as I was, as I was ever going to be. Um, and, um, you know, I'm powerless over alcohol and I have this mental obsession. I have this allergy and when, I, when my disease says it's time to go, it's time to go. And it doesn't matter what's going to get in my way. It doesn't matter if I've got a court date. It doesn't matter if I have outstanding consequences, DUIs. It doesn't matter if, um, you know, the kids, my kids have been taken away. None of that stuff matters. None of that matters. My disease says it's time to go. I have to go. Um, you know, and it's all I think about. And, you know, and, um, you know, as I was physically sober as I was ever going to be. And I walked into this hospital in the middle of the night. I worked day shift. I walked in there at 2 a.m. And my coworkers are, are um, performing CPR on a, on a patient. <clears throat> and, um, and nobody's around. You know, and, and I walk into that, I walk over to the Omnicell where we dispense our medications and I take what I need and I walk out of that place. Now I was physically sober as I was ever going to be, you know, and I told everybody that I wasn't going to drink. I wasn't going to do any of those outside issues. I wasn't going to do it. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart, but I'm absolutely powerless over alcohol. My disease says it's time to go. I have to go. I'm going to it's beyond my mental control. It's absolutely beyond my mental control. You know, and I walked out of that place and, um, you know, I'm like the boy whistling in the dark. No one's going to know. It'll be different this time. The outcome's going to be different. No one will know. Um, and what I can tell you is the outcome wasn't different. It's the first one that got me. And next thing I know, I'm at the liquor store and, you know, it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, and I don't stop until I'm locked up, passed out. You know, my kids will tell you that I came home from every night from work and I would puke, pass out, drink tons of tons of wine. I loved wine. I drink a box, not a bottle. I drink out a big Speedway cup or 7-Eleven cup, whatever that looks like. And, um, you know, and I, and I drank out of the box, the big box of wine, because no one would know how much you're drinking. It's aluminum and you would just throw it away and replace it. and no one would ever know. You can't see inside of it. And, um, you know, but I'm going beyond, I mean, I have to drink, you know, but I meant it when I told those, those people that I, my kids, my parents, that when I wasn't going to drink, I told them I wasn't going to drink and I meant it with all my heart, you know, but I'm powerless over alcohol. And it takes that experience for me, from my head to my heart to truly understand what that is. And, and, um, you know, what the disease of alcoholism is and what it looks like in my life. 
you know, because if I could just read this, I have to have my own experiences with this book. You guys can tell me all your experiences and all those things, but until I have my own experience, when it comes from my head to my heart, when I have my own experiences, when I can say, oh, okay, I understand that. I can relate to that. Yep, that's me too. Me too. You know, and you guys got me hook, line, and sinker. I'm all in. You know, I'm all in this deal because I know without a shadow of a doubt that um, I am just like you guys. I am an alcoholic and I'm powerless over alcohol. And, um, you know, when I look at that on page 22, um, I've already described it to you, but it says we are equally positive at the very bottom that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens both in the bodily, which is the allergy. When I think about that, I react abnormally. And the mental, which is obsession, sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. And, you know, I just described that, how it, how it manifests in my life and how it looks in this alcoholic, you know, and I have to think about, you know, I, I would encourage you to think about how it manifests in your life and what it looks like in your life um, and to match your experience with what I just described my experience to. Um, you know, and so therefore the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in, than in his body. And, um, you know, if someone just told me, just don't drink, you know, for a real alcoholic like me, just don't drink, doesn't work. You know, I have to have a solution. And, um, you know, if, if just not drinking or, you know, drag your butt to the you know, put yourself in a wheelbarrow and drag your butt to an AA meeting and don't, you know, and, and whatever, all those things that people say in Alcoholics Anonymous, if that worked for me, I wouldn't need a, I wouldn't need Alcoholics Anonymous. I wouldn't be here at mm, 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, I wouldn't be here sharing my experience and on this foundation meeting, I wouldn't need to be, you know, I wouldn't need to be doing that. If my very life didn't depend upon this, um, to carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers as a recovered alcoholic, I wouldn't need to do these things in order to stay alive. If I didn't truly believe that I have an allergy, you know, and I react abnormally and I mentally obsess over alcohol, that's step one. Um, if I didn't truly believe in that first step in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, then I wouldn't need to be here. You know, um, you know so if I look at the lack of choice um, on page 24, um, the fact is, and the italics, um, and the squiggly lines, and this is the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, yet obscure, which means uncertain, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. You mean I'm defenseless against the first drink? You know, that's that's that hopeless state of mind and body that I get to. I'm absolutely hopeless. You know, and there's got to be a way out. You know, and if I take my finger across that line, across the very top to the other page 25 in the italics, it says there's a huge promise. From that paragraph, you know, when they write italics in this in this book, at the time it was written, it was really expensive, expensive for them to do that. 
And so I need to pay really close attention to what those italics say. And so if I take my finger and I go across, it says there is a solution. And it gives me hope from I'm without defense against the first drink to page 25 that there is a solution. You know, what is that solution? You know, it says almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation, which means completion. You know, but I mean, it goes on to say what we saw that it really worked in others and we had to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. You know, and I saw it work in other people's lives. I saw it work in the, in the three men, the four men who would spoon feed me the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous to a greasy haired girl who didn't care about herself, who looked down at her shoes and they would spoon feed me the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. They were never inappropriate. They were never off color. You know, they never did any of those things. All they wanted was this girl to survive and carry the message to another alcoholic. But they would spoon feed me the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and they would give me all these miraculous things. I'm like, what are they coming up with all that? awesome stuff it's like what is that stuff it's like jazitzu or whatever you can't even say the word but you know it's like where is that coming from and I'm like man they're they are so smart you know and it wasn't until I realized I came to that hopeless state of mind and body in my own life and I began to pick up the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because what I can tell you is I use my big book for a bed the middle of my bed frame wouldn't go down. So I used it as a stopper for that. And I would put my big book there and it's got a big indention in it, that and my 12 and 12. Um, and that's what I, I did for two years now. Alcoholics Anonymous and I almost died. And, um, but, um, but they would spoon feed me the big book and, um, and thank God for those men. Thank goodness for that sponsor that showed me. She continued to show me the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I always looked for that human power to fix me. And, um, and the only thing A has to offer is to go into the better end, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation or accept spiritual help. It's as simple as that. And it's not that simple for an alcoholic like me. You know, do I want to accept spiritual help? Eh, I don't know about that God idea, man. I don't know about that. Or go on to the better end, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation. You know, so if I can answer these two questions, on um, page 44, it says, if when I honestly want to, then I, can I quit entirely? You mean, can I quit drinking entirely? You mean like 365 days a year, 24 hours a day? Can I quit entirely? That means entire abstinence, no um, pill form alcohol, no, you know, none of those things. You mean, you want me to quit entirely? I don't know. I know this girl can. I can't when I want to quit entirely. Or if when drinking, do you have any control over the amount you take? Yes or no? Well, if you can answer to those questions to your satisfaction, you're probably alcoholic. You know, and for me, it was like, oh, what a devastating blow. It knocks the wind out of my sails. Yeah, but what I can tell you today is it's the most absolute biggest blessing in my life. Um, but when I was asked those questions in the beginning, I was like, oh, man, you mean I have to do all these things in order to stay sober and live a purposeful, useful life? That's what you want me to do? And it's like, what an order. I can't go through with it. Um, but it says, do not be discouraged, you know. Um, none of us do this perfectly. You know, I've never done AA perfectly. I've done the first step perfectly. 
but I've never done Alcoholics Anonymous perf perfectly. If I did, if I told you I did, I would be telling you a big lie, you know, and I mean, this still requires me to be honest um, and most importantly, honest with myself, you know, honesty, thoroughness and willingness. And, um, you know, and I've got to be honest with that um, within myself that I am alcoholic and I have a hopeless, um, you know, I was at a hopeless state of mind and body. And what do I have to do in order to stay alive? And, you know, and I look at that solution. What is the solution? You know, we got to that on page 25. What is the solution? Well, it's this God idea, you know, this higher power, this supreme being, this, you know, whatever you want to call it, drone conception. You know, when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I shut my door on that God idea a long time ago, many years ago. My oldest son's father passed away when I was 18 years old. And how could a God that, that how could a God do that? How could a God allow a child to grow up without his dad? You know, blah, 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 blah. I went on and on and on. And what I know today is God doesn't take people. God receives people. That is called life. You know, people are born and people pass away. You know, and it's, it's life. And, um, you know, and I was, when I was able to see that, you know, and, and alcohol beat me to the state of absolute hopelessness, I was willing to believe that there was something because I saw it working in y'all's life. I saw it working in your life and I saw that your life was on fire. Now I saw you guys, you were clean and you had good lives and you had, you know, you had friends and you loved people and you were kind and you were helpful. And, um, you know, and I wanted to be like that. I didn't care all the external stuff you had. You know, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year before I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I can tell you is when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I had nothing. I lived out of a food pantry. You know, I had tires that were, may have some tread on them and may not, you know. Um, and I wasn't too proud to go work for $6.50 an hour. You know, I did what I had to do when I came into Alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous. And you guys showed me, you know, you guys showed me Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and so anyway, um, when I look at that solution and that spiritual awakening and um, and I look at the God idea, either I'm willing to believe in something, you know, or um, on page 47, it says, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to of, of other spiritual expressions, which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, meaning in the very beginning, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth. To affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. And it says afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. So when I first began this journey, um, I just had this willingness to believe in something, that there was something out there. I saw it work in your life. I saw it work in my sponsor's life. Um, you know, what I can tell you is I was, I was resentful at my sponsor, um, because she didn't keep me sober. Had I read my big book, it says no human power can keep me sober. No human power, no house, no car, no job, no kids, no husband, no wife. None of those things, nothing external can keep me sober. You know, I had to seek a power and, um, you know, and so I, you know, I was dying in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
and um, I called Ryan, who is my husband now, and I said, you know, I'm dying, and I and I don't know what to do. And he said, why don't you call Sarah? And I said, I'll, I'm not, I can't call her. She didn't keep me sober. I didn't say those exact words, but it was around about that. And um, and he's like, let me make a few phone calls. And at that point, I was absolutely hopeless. And um, and he called Jim, and and he called me back, and he said. Allison, I need for you to be at Jim's house at tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And, you know, and prior to that phone call to Ryan, because I saw God work in his life and I saw he was always happy, happy, always bubbly, always positive, always kind, always hopeful. And what you see with him is what you get. He's always like that. It's very few and far between that he's off. And when he does fall off, him and his sponsees, we all make a big deal about it and laugh because it doesn't happen very often. But what I can tell you is I came to believe um, after three trips around the block and the third trip into the liquor store um, parking lot, as I was sitting there, um, and I said, God, you know, I'm holding on that steering wheel and I'm holding on that steering wheel so tight, you know, and I've got to drink because I am powerless over alcohol and I'm going to bump, I have this mental obsession that I got to have it, got to have it. And it's beyond my control. And, you know, and I remember, and I'll call it synonymous, you guys said, pray to that God that you don't believe in. You know, but I had never came to that hopeless state of mind and body that I wanted to pray to that God that I didn't believe in until alcohol beat me into a state of reasonableness. And I was holding onto that steering wheel so tight and I'm sweating. If you guys know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and I'm holding on that steering wheel and I've got a drink. You know, and it's my only solution. You know, it was the first time in my entire life because I did not want to drink. I held on that steering wheel and for the first time I said, God, please help me. I can't do this today. And God entered into my heart. And I came to believe in a liquor store parking lot that day. And I picked up the phone and I called Ryan. And that's how I ended up at Jim's the next day. You know, what I'm going to tell you is the next day, and eh, snowing, Southern girls didn't drive in the snow. I lived in, uh, didn't live in West Virginia at the time. And um, I woke up and I was feeling better the next day. And I mean, he's, the only thing Ryan asked me, he says, do you want to live or do you want to die? You know, I said, I want to live. And he said, well, I suggest you get in the car and go to Jim's house. You know, and it was that first faith. I went to somebody's house. It's the only place in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the only place that you go to. Um, you drive to somewhere. You don't know where you're going. You get there. And you don't know who you're going to meet. And then when you leave, you don't know where you've been. It's the only place that happens like that. You know, but I had this faith that it was going to be okay. It was the first time in my life that I felt at peace. 100, 100% at peace that it was going to be okay no matter what. You know, and I got out of my car and there was a bunch of snow on the ground and I fell in the snow. And at that point I had a mouth like a, I used to say a trucker, but that's not very appropriate because that's being judgmental. But I had a mouth that wasn't very uh, spiritual. How about that? And um, um, and so, you know, and, I, and I, I fell in the snow and I get up and I'm soaking wet. And I'm like, I go in, knock on this man's door and this old bald man answers the door and he's got this big smile on his face. And I was like, I could breathe. You know why? Because I could see God in him and I knew it was going to be okay. I could see the God in his eyes. 
And I could see that the only thing that he wanted to do was help a girl who was still sick and suffering from the disease of alcoholism. And just maybe, just maybe, she can carry the message to another alcoholic who still suffers. And just maybe, just maybe, another woman will have to live that hopeless state of mind and body, and maybe that her life will change. You know, and, and that's how I came to believe and got connected to the God of my understanding. You know, and, um, and that spiritual awakening for me when I left Jim's house, he calls me awesome to this day. Um, when I was looking in that mirror that day and, um, you know, and I said, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty awesome when I'm not drinking. You know, and the name stuck. Awesome. Because, you know, I had that connection through the 12 steps. He took me through the first nine steps that day. You know, and through those, through that spiritual awakening, I was armed with some big chunks of truth about who and what Allison Corvo is. You know, and, um, and the, the wrath that I had caused in so many people's lives. You know, all the people about me, I negatively affected, you know, but most importantly, I got connected to that God who was going to solve all my problems. This deal is not about drinking anymore for me. The first step is the only step that talks about alcohol. You know, I got a living problem. If the problem was just, if the solution was just don't drink, I just wouldn't drink and life would be great and everything would be perfect. You know, and I live happily ever after. And all y'all, all the people about me live happily ever after. And it's okay. You know, but I'm selfish and self-centered to the core. If I turn to page 62. Mm. It's a selfishness and self-centeredness. It takes a hard right turn when you're leading to the third step. And it says that we think is the root of our troubles. You mean the alcohol is not the problem? Huh? What's that about? You know, it's me. I am the problem. You're not the problem. The kids aren't the problem. The job's not the problem. Um, I am the problem. I think the world should revolve around me, myself, and I. You know, in order to combat that, I have to be connected to this God. You know, because I, so I don't propel on my propel through self-will my entire life. I've already done that. You know, I have to be rid of this selfishness. I must be rid of it or it kills me. It doesn't mean that I'm going to die a, spir a, a physical death. It means I die spiritually within. I come back to that insanity and that delusion that maybe a drink will solve the problem. You know, without that God, I have to have, you know, without that God, I'm sitting here with me. You know, when it, it says that, on page bottom of page 62, it says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, oh, drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was a keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So I'm going to live by this and this drama of life because life is a drama. <laughs> it's a drama, right? But it doesn't have to be a drama. No, it doesn't have to be a drama. If I live by most good ideas are simple, then I have this keystone of this structure, a keystone of an arch. It holds the whole structure together. You know, and, and without that keystone, without this, God's going to be my director. 
and he's going to be my agent and I'm going to, or I'm going to be his agent and and he's going to, God's going to be the director. Without that, I don't have a keystone and my whole structure crumbles. Next thing you know, I'm sitting there with a bottle in my hand going, how'd this happen again? How'd this happen again? You know, thank God the Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious program. It's a spiritual program of nature and I can believe whatever I want to believe in. You know, thank goodness for that. It's the God of my own understanding. It's the God within me and it's the God within you. The God within me connects with the God within you. And the next thing you know, I have these beautiful relationships with the beautiful people on the screen. And, um, you know, and who would ever thought, who would ever thought Reese and Ron would have come down here in August and that we would have hung out, you know, who would have thought Ron, I would have met Ron in person the other night at at our, our home group. And, who would have thought that Jeremy would have come over here and started a fire, you know, for a hog roast? Who would have thought Joel would be my big brother? You know, who would have who would have thought that would have had, you know, all these people, Eugene in the middle of a COVID pandemic would have helped us through, navigate through, you know, through COVID on Zoom? Who would have thought that Christina would have been, you know, a part of my life? I don't, I mean, who would have thought those things? God knew all along when I when I become hopeless. And I become saying, I become absolutely hopeless. And I say, okay, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a solution. There's got to be something that's going to combat this disease of alcoholism. And yes, there is something vastly more. You know, it is Alcoholics Anonymous. It is the, it's not, it's the capital F fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's just not going to meetings. It's not just going to meetings. It has to be the whole program meetings. 12 steps, being of service, you know, being of service is, is, you know, what does that look like? My real purpose is to fit myself to be a maximum service to God and the people about me. It's not about what Allison wants anymore. Do I still think it should be? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just asked my husband yesterday, you know, um, but thank goodness I have a program today that gets me right size and humbles me and gets me to exactly where I need to be. You know, it's right here, right now, carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous um, with you guys. You know, I would have, who would ever thought that? I'm so grateful to be a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm so grateful to have a solution today that um, solves all my problems. And it's contained in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, If I take the 12 steps with someone who's been through the journey, through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is our primary text, and have a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, and then carry the message of this, uh, carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to another sick and suffering alcoholic, I become part of the big capital F of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and I would not have missed it for the world. Um, It's an experience you must not miss. Um, And I hope that um, I've said something today that would help someone who's still sick and suffering um, and maybe. Um, I'm always available and my phone's always on. I love you guys. And thank you for letting me be of service. I'll pass.